0: 75th NBA season, it has what Jeopardy doesn't, hosts home and away. Schedule dropped. We're talking about it with the newest member of the Utah Jazz digital team, Ryan Kostecka, and Vegas Summer League wrapped up. Talking about that with ESPN's George Sedano. This is Roundball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm JP Chunga. What do you want to know about the schedule? When it starts and when it ends. Starts with the Oklahoma City Thunder, Derek Favors in his return, October 20th, and ends April 10th against Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. Will it still be Damian Lillard's Portland Trailblazers? Who knows? But the in-between, we talk about it with Ryan Costeca. Go win-loss, all 82. Don't worry about it. The other thing that I'm sure you're concerned about, 14 national TV games. And coming into the day, we already knew that Christmas Day was going to be taken care of. The Mavericks... In the late game, 8.30 tip-off, that means you get to see Ban McMahon, I'm sure. Ban McMahon. And a guy named Luka Doncic. But the other big one, ABC against Phoenix later on in the season. Ah! To play the Western Conference champions, to play a team that is so highly regarded by the national media, Jazz will have an opportunity to change that narrative and get themselves into the national conversation this year. They already have it when it comes to being the number one overall seed last season. But those big games, they're going to be on the stage against good opponents. And you'll be able to see them beyond just Utah. So that's huge. And just to wrap up Vegas Summer League, because it's so important to go down there for me, uh, I was able to see Trent Forrest on hand taking over games figuring out how to beat opponents, guys who just weren't on his level. That he's an NBA player. It's clear. And he benefits Udoka Azubuki and being able to feed him down low. He's huge for the guys running alongside him in Jarrell Brantley, in Macy O'Teague who earned himself a contract. Elijah Hughes had a moment in summer league. Trent Forrest is standout for that team. But national standouts get into that with George. And it's good to go down there, if only to see people around the league who were on the Jazz, Walt Perrin, former Jazz staffer, now with the Knicks. Like, summer League is basically NBA summer camp, where we get to see people who we don't normally see, especially during a weird season. Now we get to see them in Vegas. Executives are seeing each other, and you're so close to everybody. Look at the video that we put up on the Jazz Twitter feed Last week, Dwayne Wade bricked five shots before making his three-pointer. And the career 30% three-point shooter blamed it on his jacket that he was wearing. Well, take it that the reason he kept on shooting, jazz DNA. If you watch any jazz basketball, they shoot threes, and that's a mindset that Dwayne Wade has at the top. No matter how many he misses, Shooters, shoot. Or maybe you can't be Dwayne Wade and miss three-pointers. Got to see one get through the net. All the stars were out. Him, LeBron James, the Jazz's newest signings, everybody. Okay, five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast because we've got two guests coming up today. Ryan Kisteka, newest member of the Jazz digital team. We're talking the schedule. Toughest stretches his thoughts on the offseason, and then we get to George Sedano, get a national perspective on the Jazz's signings, and where they stack up in the West, because he's in L.A., he knows a lot about the Lakers, as well as those top picks in Vegas Summer League. He was covering those games. So let's get out of the way. Please enjoy George Sedano, ESPN, Ryan Kosteca, UtahJazz.com.
1: Honestly, the first thing that stands out is that Utah must get off to a good start in the first half of the season. The second half of the season is absolutely loaded. I mean, the Jazz, they play 29 of their 41 games are going to be against teams from the 2021 playoffs. Not to mention 12 of their final 13 are against those same exact teams. I mean, this is a schedule that has been completely backloaded, which ideally, I mean, for Utah, it is maybe a good thing if they're healthy the time. but If they're not the first part of the season, they're going to have to get off to a fast start, especially if they want one of those top four seeds and then, you know, hosting that first round of the playoffs.
0: And that's exactly what they did uh, last year when it comes to being able to host the first two rounds. has to stand out that the Jazz will be playing on Christmas, Christmas Day against the Mavericks. That's going to be huge for this program and this organization.
1: It really is. I mean, you could tell how the NBA values the jazz, you know, and just as an organization has a program when it talks about the holiday games, the two biggest games of the year, Christmas day, Martin Luther King jr. Day, Utah is playing on both of them. They're hosting, you know, Luka Doncic and the Mavs we talked about on Christmas day, the final game of that five game nightcap. So when everyone's kind of done, their bellies are full, Christmas is finished up. All you got to do is turn into the jazz and just kind of let the day, let, let the night kind of go its way. Then finally, obviously, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Whew, that's the Los Angeles Lakers down L.A.
0: That and the other one that stands out as a national exposure for me is the ABC game against the Phoenix Suns on a Sunday. It means something when you have Mike Breen on the call and it's an NBA game. You need a moment in the NBA season where he says, bang, for a big shot for your team. I am shocked that it took this long for this team to get a Sunday game, but a Sunday game for this team means something as well as that Christmas day outfit.
1: I mean, that's just as big in a way. Like you said, I mean, I wish my brains bang could literally be my text message when everyone, when anyone wrote to me, it's just bang, bang. Bang. That That would be absolutely amazing. But yeah, I mean, you have that Sunday game against Phoenix, a team that just played in the finals. I mean, that's a huge matchup in itself and it's something that, you could tell the Jazz are not only valued, but they're thought highly of going into the season, and for good reason. I mean, realistically, they only got better, in my opinion, just through their offseason acquisitions.
0: And looking at those offseason acquisitions, you've got re-signing of Mike Conley, a trade for Eric Paschal, who provides versatility, and then the signings of Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside. They were signed before you officially joined the content team. But what'd you make of of those moves that they? tried to bolster and look at the fringes of this roster to improve?
1: I really like the Hassan Whiteside signing. Honestly, I think that provides just it's going to more than anything. It's going to save Gobert a little bit just throughout the season. I mean, the role he plays for the jazz, it's very physically demanding. So if you can save minutes from him just, you know, throughout the year, get him healthier for playoffs. I think that's massive. Rudy Gay, obviously bringing him with Mike Conley. I think it's a great sign for the jazz um Mike Conley signing let me let's get that right out the way that is the premier signing getting him back on a restructured deal is absolutely massive he thrived along Donovan Mitchell and it's something that Jazz fans are going to you know talk about for years and years is what if Mike Conley was healthy you know last year who knows hopefully he is now fully healthy he's ready to go throughout the offseason but like you said a little bit I kind of like the Eric Pascal signing a lot I think where Utah might have struggled last year was just you know when teams went small, Utah really didn't have an ability to counter that. You know, Derek Favors uh, wasn't as athletic as he was. Pascal kind of brings that role a little bit. I mean, if you're going to go small, you could throw out you got Bogey, you got Ingles, you got Gay. You know, any two of those three with Conley and Don and with Mitchell. I mean, that's a really tough five to deal with. It's, you know, overall, it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts to being here in Utah. Obviously, playing with his childhood best friend and Donovan Mitchell is, absolutely, is huge for him.
0: He starts New Year's Day uh, going to take on his former club in the Golden State Warriors. And the season starts uh, with the regular season facing one of the former players uh, of this team, Derek Favors. You mentioned it. He is a fan favorite. I'm sure once he, he makes the appearance at the Viv that night, he's going to get a standing ovation.
1: Oh, I mean, I I expect nothing less from Jazz fans, just giving a massive standing ovation for Favors when he enters into the game. I don't want to say one of those things where they might have, you know, an extended break when he comes in. So that would be really cool to see, really cool to be a part of. Favors is an absolute fan favorite, but I do think Pascal fits the team a little bit better for what they're wanting out of that role.
0: If they prioritized, at least it seems, from this this offseason, that versatility. Rudy Gay can play the five if he's asked to. I don't think that's his best position, but he can do it. It gives you another look. And then Pascal, he showed so much versatility in his first year with the Warriors that it gives you a good look at seeing him with around shooters. He was playing with Steph Clay now he's going to be playing with a team that launches threes in abundance that's going to help out his game and he's going to be able to launch threes in his own right and hassan Whiteside could be a very good signing with the way that he can be a rim protector i want to see what the hardest road trip in your mind uh, is for this team because they have a couple of long ones they've got a a big massive east coast road trip later on in the season as things stack up on him, what is the toughest stretch in your mind for this Jazz team?
1: You just touched on it. I mean, you have the end of the season. We talked about earlier, 12 of those final 13 games are on the road. Well, it's almost the start of that. You have six-game road trip that starts in New York, all right, and you're going to end in L.A. So you're playing in multiple different time zones over a 10-day period. It is absolutely brutal. I mean, looking at it, you're at the Knicks. You're at Brooklyn, and that's a back-to-back too, which, granted, you know, at least they're close together, you're not traveling, but still, a back-to-back against those squads, that is never easy. You know, then you're at Boston, you're taking, you're at Charlotte, you know, the LaMelo Ball show, let's see how he's doing at that point. You got the rematch with Dallas and Luka, who, ironically, are probably going to be fighting for a playoff spot, you know, you know that four or five, maybe in that range. Then you're at the Clippers. So that, that road stretch right there is absolutely gnarly. It's something that I just, you look at that and you think, good Lord, if you can come out of that at three and three that late in the season, you would be very, very happy with that result, but it doesn't get easier. I mean, you sure you end with the Clippers, then your next game, you're home against the Lakers, (laughs) you know, and then you're on the road again at golden state. I mean, that's just, it's a tough schedule to end the year, but that six game road trip at the end of the year, when you're tired, you're fatigued, that's going to be the one that really kind of shows you what the jazz are made of in a way.
0: Well, and before uh, the Knicks and the Nets, they play just the Clippers at home that Friday night before uh, as something to get you loaded up for that road trip. They've got to prioritize, obviously, health during the season. I, I'm not the type to say that the number one overall seed doesn't mean anything, but if you can still have high seeding while prioritizing health, while keeping Mike Conley, on Bogdanovich. Uh, those guys healthy during the season. That has to come before you start looking and chasing wins on the road. If if you have to sacrifice an at San Antonio, uh, just to keep somebody healthy, that's all right. I I think that has to be a priority when you look at what the Jazz are trying to accomplish.
1: I agree. I mean, the Jazz are right there. They they have that feel the team who is they've been to the you know second round of the playoffs. Now they're ready to take that monumental leap that really big leap. What we saw with the Warriors dynasty, you know, five, six, seven years ago, they got that first round second round and then they took a leap. Obviously Phoenix, you know, what just happened last year, pretty incredible. You see Milwaukee slowly kind of take those leaps. I think that's where the Jazz are right now. And then with that road stretch, I think, you know, if you can go three and three, prioritize health and you still get a top four seed, which means you're hosting the first round of the playoffs. I think that's huge. That's the ideal goal, what you're looking for for the Jazz. I mean, you're a veteran team. You're not afraid to play on the road. You're not afraid to go into someone's arena and play on the road by any means whatsoever. The Jazz have proved that over and over again. So I think the top four seed is what you really want and what you're really shooting for. But that's where those signings come in. I mean, those are really good signings to where you have this deep, long team. So you can be, you know, really scheduling out minutes. Players can afford to take a night off, really thrive still.
0: And development of the young guys. You saw Trent Forrest in summer league it didn't look like he was a summer league player at all. He he no. was commanding the pace of play, knows exactly how to organize a club. He deserves a playoff minute at bare minimum for this team. Give me Trent Forrest on the floor in late June. Awesome. When it came to seeing this team play in Vegas. I got a feeling that Trent Forrest is
1: going to, he's either going to earn that minute or prove he's not ready for that minute with that six game road trips at the end of the year. If you're trying to, you know, get Mike a little bit of rest, get Donovan a little bit of rest. That's where Trent Force is going to come in. If he can prove he can handle the job, he deserves more than a playoff minute. I think that's where you're really going to see him really thrive.
0: He has that opportunity. There's another pretty thorny road trip uh, in the second half as well, post-All-Star break. Yeah. Virtually to start it off, that West road trip can prove where they stack up with those teams in the conference when you have Phoenix, who's going to be a top seed, you have New Orleans, who's pushing for a playoff spot. I'm not sure how good they're going to be. And Dallas, who again, is going to be in that spot contending with the jazz for those top seeds.
1: I mean, if you think about right when they get back from the break, they have that home game against Dallas and that five game road trip. I mean, you're looking at, you said Dallas and you're at Phoenix, at Houston, at New Orleans, at OKC, at Dallas again. If you can somehow go five and one or even four and two in that, that would be huge. You have to you have to beat Dallas once. I really do. because so I think that could be huge coming into, you know, as far as playoff seating goes. But you have to beat the Houston. You have to beat the New Orleans. The I uh, sorry, the New Orleans pick is kind of interesting, like we talked about. Who knows what's going to be with that team? I mean, Zion is he's playing out of his world. He's kind of ready to take up that superstar you know, level, say the least. If you can get the wins you need to win in that part, I think that would be huge. But getting those initial victories, especially on that road trip, can really set you up the last part of the second half of the season. But if you struggle out of the all-star break, it's going to be really hard for Utah to kind of gain their footing because the schedule does not lit up from there at all.
0: On well, those teams will be trying to figure out if they're still in playoff contention. Have they made a move at the trade deadline? Are they trying to get better? Because that team is completely different. Going from Stan Van Gundy to Willie Green, they let go of Steven Adams and bring in Jonas Valanciunas, who the Jazz saw in the playoffs, and he's a handle when it comes to being a big in this league. They've gotten Garrett Temple, who I like, yeah. Devontae Graham, who can show that he's a good three-point shooter they could be a puzzling team when it comes towards the end of this playoff run it's
1: going to be really interesting to see what green does with new orleans i mean you have zion who's already proven there you got brand what do you do with brandon ingram is he a one is he a two what do you do there you talk about Valatunas is an absolute monster so that's you know that's tough to handle as well Hence, you know, the Hassan Whiteside signing a little bit. Now you have two bigs you're throwing at these guys, which is great for the Jazz. but no one's very puzzling. That's a team who could, you know, sneak into the playoffs, you think, or could be in the running for the lottery. Who knows with them?
0: They definitely are a bottom four. They could still be in that play in range when it comes to the yeah. the six that, that actually have an opportunity to get into the playoffs I don't know if they threaten for one of those top seeds, but they could be definitely a tough out when it comes to being on a road trip because it's the NBA season and it's so difficult to manage that type of thing.
1: It really is. I mean, I'm with you. I don't think New Orleans is necessarily a playoff team, but they're the perfect spoiler team, if that makes sense. They could easily be spoiling someone's season. And with how deep the West is and how talented it is, one or two games, you know, losing games you probably shouldn't lose, that can really come back and haunt you later on in the year. So that's a game that, Honestly, if, if, if I'm Quinn Snyder, I am circling that game. You know, you're not really necessarily worried about OKC. You're not really worried about Houston. But that New Orleans game, it's circled on. You're saying, hey, we have to win this. This is a game that could come back and haunt us later on. This is where our focus has got to be. So if you can win that, I think that's really good mentally for your side. You know, that's a game when you should win. But like you said, middle of a road trip, just got done with the All-Star break, kind of lagging a little bit, still trying to find your rhythm and form. You pull off that win, that's going to be huge moving forward.
0: 14 ESPN ABC TNT games it gets started on national television for the Jazz against Denver on October 26th those games against the Nuggets it's interdivision which you know may matter if you care about such things but put it in the rafters Denver being a team that I think will be very good because they've got the MVP. Jamal Murray is going to come back later in the season. Maybe he's not going to be there in the in the forefront. But they've made a great trade at the trade deadline last year with Aaron Gordon. They've got Michael Porter Jr. stepping into a star-ish role. That game, to start off the slate for the Jazz on national television, that'll influence a lot of people into the direction that this team is going to go.
1: Well, I, for one, not going to lie, I cannot wait for that game. Not only do I tune, turn 32 on that game day. You know, oh! it's So it's a, it's, a, it's a big day all around for us in the Jazz organization. You know, so I'm excited. I mean, come on. It's it's Utah. It's Denver. It's everything you want. It's two teams that have kind of million. Now they're like, now they're some of the top teams in the league. People are going to see, how does Utah respond from getting bounced in the playoffs that year? That Denver game is going to show you exactly what this Utah team is made of. If they come out and make a statement, that is absolutely huge for forward. I can't wait for that. And like you said, I thought Denver had, the, or Denver had the best move last year, getting Aaron Gore to the trade deadline. I thought that was huge. Unfortunately, Murray got hurt. But Denver was a scary team. But at this point with Utah, with everything they returned, their trio of all-stars, the Jazz aren't afraid of anyone. That's a game that the Vivint's going to be absolutely rocking. It's going to be so much fun.
0: And uh, as a treat from the organization, you get a, a TNT game. For yourself. Congratulations. <laughs>
1: Can't wait for that one.
0: Uh, Jokic versus Gobert. It'll be fun to watch as uh, they get started on those TNT games. Anything else that stands out for you when it comes to the schedule?
1: I think the schedule, I mean, you have 13 back to backs this year, which isn't bad, honestly, but it's something that can definitely be managed. And that's where I think Utah's depth and the trade, I mean, you know, what they've done in the offseason is really going to benefit them moving forward. But more than anything, it's just nice to be normal again this year. I mean, last year it was, what, 72 games in 144 days? I mean, essentially one game every two days. That's absolutely brutal. Now you're kind of back to normal. you got 82 games, 186 days, plenty of rest days. It's going to be good to kind of see that sense of normalcy set in a little bit and just really see what this Jazz team is made of. And I can't wait to see just the mentality they come out with, wanting to prove themselves, make a point, make a statement, and let's roll from there.
0: It's good to finally have back the normal calendar of the NBA season. It was a little wonky to get started in December and then get ramped up for a playoff push uh, later on in the season. Definitely weird. Okay, let's hear from you as we introduce you to the Jazz Podcast audience. Ryan Casteca. where'd you come from? How'd you get to this position? And... What are you looking forward to doing most when it comes to this team?
1: I mean, more than anything, I'm just, I'm so thrilled to be here. Just honored to be in this role and, you know, to be working with UJP and just the team here, the creative, the marketing team, it's a blast. It's so much fun. Um, it's been, you know, my first week on the job and as you know, we've had a lot of fun already and I can't wait to see where it goes from here. Uh, for me though, I came from park city in Utah, uh, working at park city television as their sports director. So I was doing a lot of on-air stuff for them, both live and pre-recorded. Also, I worked for Sports Illustrated when I launched their University of Utah website. Previous to that, I was at the Park Record in Park City. And back then, I was actually, before that, in Eugene, Oregon, where I met my wife and launched Sports Illustrated University of Oregon website for them. So it's been, it's been a long road. It's been a fun road, that's for sure. But one thing, I just want to bring great coverage just to the fans, you know. Tell the stories of the players of the games, you know, write stories that evoke emotion that people can just enjoy reading overall and give them the coverage they want to have. And just be something that, you know, if you can't watch a game, you can read the story and then you can go by the water cooler the next morning and you know exactly what to talk about. So I'm just I'm stoked to be here. I'm thrilled to be with this team and I'm excited to see uh, where the Jazz go from here. It's it's one thing to be, you know, be joining an NBA organization and, you know, hoping for the best or for the playoffs. Now, this is the Utah Jazz. You're hoping for a ring. that's what you come here for. so ideally, it'd be fun to follow that journey and cover them all along the way.
0: Well, if the jazz play any anything like your top golf game, it looks like they'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> this guy can swing the club so fast and as a novice golfer, as you've learned on this podcast, listening uh, day-to-day, not for the casuals who listen to Bow Roundup. I'm just getting into it, and I see the way that this guy strikes the ball, and I am intimidated by the way that he does it.
1: You know, that was a blast. Going to talk goal with everyone. I mean, of course, you have goals and how hard you want to hit it, but overall, <laughs> it was great. I mean, and come on, let's be do, let's do real, though. If I was taking home that gold medal, you were that silver medal right behind me. <laughs> And then, you know, then it tapered off from there a little bit, but I think it's safe to say that, well, we're two of the better uh, top golfers in our team
0: here with the organization. What was the fastest you got up on it? 162, uh, one, right?
1: 162, yeah, it was the fastest ball speed I was able to accomplish. Granted, it didn't go straight, but, hey, it was still that, you know, for that regard.
0: Well, and it went far. It went a mile. <laughs> that,
1: that's true. It might, it might still be traveling for all we know, but, hey, you know, I got the 162. That's all that matters.
0: It looked at one point that uh, he hit it over the side netting of the Top Golf. So, uh, if you're in the area from uh, Salt Lake City Top Golf, apologies from the Utah Jazz. Just send the invoice to Ryan Smith at Utah Jazz, and and he'll take care of it for you. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, send it to him; he'll take care of it for you. And also, don't mention you heard it from this podcast. That we don't want to no. get into too much trouble with that one.
0: No, 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 no. Don't mention at all Roundball Roundup or utahjazz.com. Make sure that you keep that out of your letter. Ryan, looking forward to it. It'll be fun to to read you alongside at utahjazz.com and also uh, as you appear on this podcast. Thanks so much for taking the time.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. and uh, Anytime you want, I'm here for you.
2: summer league is one of those special places because for as great as the all-star game is and the nba finals are it summer league's really the only place where everybody is in one place at the exact same time so it was nice to kind of congregate again and see people again and, and see some fun basketball again
0: and you were on the marquee games uh for summer league What did you glean from the likes of seeing a Cade Cunningham, uh, Jalen green, even in, in one of the games that you were on, Luca Garza showed out.
2: Yeah. Look, this draft class is really good is what I would say. And, you know, just because of the nature of what I do for a living, I don't have a ton of time to watch college hoops the way I watch the NBA or even keep up with the G league, to be frank with you. So my college basketball viewing is the occasional game. I get a chance to watch somebody or March madness, basically. And that's kind of where I had any previous knowledge of guys like Kate Cunningham, who I did make at a point to watch Suggs. I made a point to watch during the season a little bit. And, and certainly just during their conference tournaments and, and look, Suggs was incredible uh, pretty much the whole way. Uh, but To watch them up close and be able to kind of get a feel for who they are in person um, really cemented the feeling I had, which was that a lot of people who are way smarter than me about this stuff believe that this class is the best class we've seen since 2003. So I got a chance to sit down with Cade and Jalen for ESPN and chat with them. And not only are their games mature, but just these young men are mature and I feel really good for the Pistons and the Pistons fans and the magic and the magic fans, because I think these two guys are big difference makers. I, I love Davion Mitchell's another kid. I really liked, I got a chance to do a couple of his games, including the championship game. You know, I think his offensive game, he showed me more than I thought he had, which was uh, impressive. I thought, And you could just tell he's a natural born leader and defensively, he's the best player in the draft. Like it's, I don't, I mean, I don't want to say it's not close, but I didn't see anyone defend at that kind of level and have the grasp of the team, the way he did too, on top of it. And I'm looking at a guy who's a future defensive player of the year in my estimation in Davion Mitchell. And when you're Sacramento and you had the worst defense in the NBA last year and the worst defense in the history of the sport last season, I think that just having someone like him who can hopefully help that culture, uh, particularly on defense, and just a guy that is a natural-born leader, I think is great for them. So I, I'm really excited. I, I'm excited for you know those three guys, those teams. I think Jalen Green and Houston, while they have a, a long rebuild ahead of them as well, uh, I'm hopeful that they're going to be um, fun to watch. So there's a lot to take away from Summer League, but particularly that this draft class is really impressive.
0: Looking at just from Summer League in the draft class, add on to that free agency, so many teams did interesting moves. I look at even like the Bulls, they're going after it as a team that didn't make the playoffs, now trying to get into that group of teams that can have a postseason.
2: Yeah, for sure. And Chicago made some interesting moves, to your point. Um, I'm still curious to see how much further they can climb up the ladder. I think they're in that playoff picture now. Like, I feel pretty good about that. But where, to me, is still a big question. Because Zach Levine's a very good offensive player. I am i don't know how much he makes other guys around him better. Right? Like, that's my biggest question. Um, and defensively, he leaves a lot to be desired. DeMar DeRozan is not necessarily a defender. Uh, Vucevic is not necessarily a defender now Lonzo can defend Caruso's certainly a, a good role player and a good defender but do they have enough on that end to compete on on that side of the floor is my big question mark they'll be fun they're definitely more exciting than they've been in a long time and I do think they can score but can they outscore people enough is my question with them and I just think overall, to your point, right? A lot of teams made a lot of moves. Miami made a move uh, with Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker, which I think will help them. In theory, that team should be as good a defensive team as we have in the league, uh, particularly in the Eastern Conference. I think that um, you know they'll hope so to some for some growth with Bam Adebayo still because you know Bam is still so young; he's in his early twenties. And, you know, expecting Jimmy Butler to still maintain what we've seen from him for the most part in his two years in Miami outside of a really rough playoff for him against Milwaukee. Um, And by the way, you know, we were talking about guys at uh, at Summer League. I mean, Duncan Robinson, you're talking about a guy who showed out a couple of years ago at Summer League, was able to make a roster, became one of the best three-point shooters in the league and just got paid, right? Five years, $90 million. I think that if you're a guy coming up through the G League, um, or not, you know. You're an undrafted player. There's your model. You, there is a path for you too. Granted, there's not a ton of those examples, but there is a path uh, for you now. And Duncan Robinson is kind of a shining light of that. Um, the rest of the Eastern Conference will be fascinating. It, it's, it's really the best the East has been in a really long time. I, I still don't think it's better than the West, but I, I think that it's a lot closer than it's been. You know, whether it's Brooklyn, you know, Milwaukee. I'm curious to see what Philly does with Simmons, whether they keep him or they trade him. But nonetheless, they're still going to be in that mix. I mentioned Miami, right? So I think that there are a number of teams there near the top uh, that will be fighting for spots um, for home court advantage. Um, You know, the Knicks will be good. I don't think the Knicks will be, you know, a four seed or whatever they were this year. I don't think they're catching anyone by surprise necessarily anymore. But uh, I think they'll be in that playoff picture as well still. Boston is still there. I mean, what happens with Jalen Green and Jason Tatum? Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on in the Eastern Conference, and it's 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 going to be tough. And then the West, I mean, you know this. I mean, it's a gauntlet. <laughs> you know, you guys had the one seed last year, and uh, and unfortunately, you know, it, you guys didn't come out of there. Uh, Phoenix was was fantastic uh, in their in their path, and and you know they got they were fortunate too. But look, so was Milwaukee for that matter. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, but that doesn't take away from, you know, the fact that you got there, right? Nobody can take that away. So, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I think people hear that and they, they they think of it, it's a negative connotation, right? Like, oh, you got lucky. Dude, some of the best teams in sports have gotten lucky. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, come on. Um, you know, I, I think of baseball, right? I grew up a Yankee fan and the Yankees run in the 90s maybe never get started if that kid Jeffrey Mayer doesn't reach over the fence in a division series against the Baltimore Orioles and Tony Tarasco is pointing up, uh, you know, at the kid and, and the umpire still called it a home run. Like that that entire run could have been completely different had it not been for that moment. Um, so sometimes again, it is better to be lucky than good. It doesn't mean that you're not good. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what this season looks like. Cause I think that, there are legitimately 10 teams that could win the championship.
0: Let's look national perspective on what the jazz did. They bring in Eric Paschal from the warriors. They signed Rudy Gay. They retain Mike Conley. And then they bring in one of my favorite signings because it could be a boom or a bust Hassan Whiteside to try and give them 48 minutes of rim protection. What'd you think of their offseason? Where's that stack up when it comes to the West next year?
2: I like what they did. I'm a big Pascal fan. Um, I was a little surprised that Golden State didn't keep him. Um, I, I think he's like a perfect role player. Yeah, uh, He plays tough defense. Um, he can make shots. Um, look, in this league, if you're a young player, and he's still a young player in my estimation, if you get defend and you have versatility uh, on defense and you can hit an open shot, you've got a place in this league. And I think that that's kind of where it starts, and he certainly can do that. Rudy Gay having another veteran guy with this particular club, I think is important. Uh, A guy who uh, certainly has been around and has seen everything. Whiteside to your point, boom or bust. Now I I do think that Whiteside uh, will have good individual games. I think that there will even be stretches where I think he will put up numbers. I still question whether he can actually impact winning in a big way. And again, I know that with Portland, he put up big numbers. I still don't feel like he put up uh, impactful numbers uh, that allowed them to win. And I, he did okay, you know, sitting in for Nurkic. But again, I, I just, I, I question him. You know, it's not exactly the same way, but we talked about it a little bit with Zach Levine earlier, right? Like, how much does he impact the guys around him? And I have similar questions about Hassan. Again, the numbers are there. The winning part of it uh, needs to the impact on winning needs to be something that i need to see more of but perhaps this is a good fit for him because this team was a one seed this team has the parts um to be a championship contender and his role is probably going to be very small <laughs> on this team as long as rudy is healthy and you're looking at i don't know 12 minutes a game you know or so so if that 12 to 15 minutes if that's what you're getting out of him um i, I think you know, you can manage that. And perhaps uh, he can change my mind on stuff like that.
0: What's your best Hassan story?
2: I don't have very many because I didn't cover him day to day. Um, So I don't really have very many, uh, you know, none, none really firsthand. Uh, You know, I can just tell you from talking to people that have played with him and that have coached him or been around organizations with him, they like him as a guy. Like, it's not that he's a bad guy. Um, They you know, that, that I I think that's a bit of a misnomer about him. You know, the perception around the league is he's not a good dude. That that's not the case at all. And I've never uh, said that. I think it's just the stuff I've mentioned, right. It's just the stuff of like, you know, you question kind of, is he chasing stats or is he committed to winning? You know? And I think that that's something that maybe as, you know, as he, as he's older, right. As he gets older here is something that, that kind of flips, but that's been a real question before uh, from teams that he's been on.
0: It is uh, definitely an opportunity uh, with this team to have success because they have a uh, Rudy Gobert, like you mentioned.
2: And he's very talented. Yeah. No, he one's, JP, he's very talented. Like don't get it twisted. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, so that's why it's, it's surprising that it doesn't translate or hasn't translated is, is my point.
0: Well, I'm sure Portland was a difficult situation because they, they with Dame, I mean, it's it's no offense to Dame, but on the defensive end, you don't have great guards on that team with Damon C J. Right, CJ, right? And, and they're just getting free lanes uh, to the rim with this on. That leads to blocks, but it also leads to a poor defensive rating at times. So they they haven't had a great defensive outfit there ever really uh, during the Dame era. When you look at how another boomer bust sort of transaction with the Lakers Russ. Where are you on that experiment as they try to go different route as they see Dennis Schroeder, Alex Caruso out the door?
2: So it's going to be fascinating. Some nights it's going to look incredible. Other nights it may look really clunky, I think. And that's going to be the fun part of watching them on a night-to-night basis if you're keeping an eye on them. Look, I trust LeBron that if he is healthy, he's going to figure it out. He's the smartest player I've ever been around. And, you know, he's played with a guy who has a similar skill set. I'm not comparing them apples to apples in Dwayne Wade. But Dwayne Wade wasn't a three-point shooter, Um, you know? And uh, I I covered pretty much Dwayne's entire career uh, before he became a minority partner with you guys. Um, and, uh, And I think that because LeBron has that experience, playing with someone like Dwayne I think that that will benefit him in playing with someone like Russ someone who knows how to handle the ball when uh, when LeBron needs to be out um I think the thing that Russ can take from Dwayne's experience you know after year 1 you know Dwayne came to LeBron and said hey if we're going to win a championship here it's got to be you with the ball in your hands and I'm the one that has to adjust and Dwayne did you know, Dwayne went from being a guy who had the ball in his hands pretty much all the time to a guy that became one of the best cutters in the sport. And even though he wasn't a good three-point shooter, uh, my former colleague, Tom Haberstroh, had this great story many years ago during that time about how three-point shooters have this thing he calls gravity, right? Based on where guys defend them and how close they have to defend them. And, Dwayne Wade had similar gravity to some of the best three-point shooters because of his ability to cut, um, because of his smarts, because of his athleticism still at that stage of his career and being able to kind of get by guys uh, in those scenarios. And I think that Russ has that similar package uh, physically. Can he make that translate mentally like Dwayne did? If he can do that, then they're going to be great. Um, But when when LeBron's off the floor for one reason or another, they desperately need someone that can score because the Lakers were the second best offense in the league whenever LeBron was on the floor and the 28th best offense in the league when LeBron wasn't on the floor for one reason or another. So that'll help. I also think it will help in the locker room in this sense. I think that there's not me, but people will question um, some pundits will question Anthony Davis and his Uh, effort at times to want to stay on the floor, et cetera. I think that Russ helps manage, not just Anthony Davis, but helps manage um, the locker room in that sense. Like Russ is ready to go 82 games. (laughs) There are no, um, and look, even the veterans of veterans in this league, and I've covered a lot of them, right? Have nights where it's like, oh man, tough one tonight to get up for. You know, Russ doesn't have that problem. So you know whether you're LeBron or AD or the fifteenth guy on the bench, Russ is going to make sure you're engaged for 82 games. Um, and again, I don't think AD has that issue, but certainly there are you know plenty of pundits who question some of his you know question him at times. Um, but there will be no questioning any of that team's motivation on a night in and night out basis because Russ's motor is nonstop, and and it's why people love him. You know,
0: and that's why uh, just a thing that a Donovan could take from a Russ mentality of bringing it every night. Uh, and you saw it in the playoffs where he's bringing it every night on one leg. So yeah, it's something that definitely has value in this league. We'll let you go on this uh, because I didn't expect to, to be here in uh, Dwayne Wade during our talk a little bit, but Dwayne Wade, minority owner, uh, what type of person is he off the floor from someone that has covered him for his entire career when he was down in Miami and, even that those stops in Chicago and Cleveland?
2: Uh, certainly a surefire future Hall of Famer, as we all know, first ballot, uh, but also a Hall of Fame person is what I would say. And, you know, I, I've, I've known him for, I mean, listen, my first year covering the NBA was his rookie season. So I like to say we were rookies together uh, in the NBA in 2003. And he's been a joy to cover. And I've said this to him and his wife, uh over the years um it's been my pleasure and honor uh to document his career and I did a lot of it um both locally in Miami and uh for ESPN certainly uh as his career evolved um into uh you know different uh eras uh, of his career right and different uh uh you know different stages of his career and I was lucky enough to be there at the end as well um and document the end of his career too so Look, you know, I, I can't sing the virtues of him and his family anymore, uh, to be frank with you. I I, I joke with him still occasionally on social media. Um, I remember when Zaire uh, was playing uh, high school at Sierra Canyon, and there were, like, highlights of him. <laughs> I, I tweeted out over the highlight, uh, man, I feel really old watching these highlights right now. And he just quote tweeted me and said, that's cause you are really old. And I'm like, yes, that is true. I have, although I'm only five years older than him. Um, so there's that, um, <laughs> when my dad was sick, uh, and, and he passed in 2017, um, you know, Dwayne was very much in touch with me about that stuff. And when he passed, he was one of the first people I heard from. Um, so that just goes to the type of person he is. He's just a great person. Um, I'm, the people in Utah will love him. Um, He is now a perfect elder statesman for the league and the NBA, although he may uh, take exception with me calling him elder uh, at this point. But it is the deal, D-Wade. You are an elder statesman now, whether you like it or not.
0: Well, looking forward to hosting you and Dwayne here at uh, Vivint at some point during the regular season, as I'm sure the Jazz will be on ESPN in the future. He is George Sedano with ESPN. George, thank you so much for taking the time.
2: You got it, JP, anytime, brother.